0: Fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here it on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Hard that murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two are have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy To make sure it all fits in just right Hey Welcome to Hillbilly
1: Horror Stories. Now, here's your host, Jerry and Tracy, Paul, and their dog, Ninja.
0: And sometimes their cat, Freddy. But never the ferrets.
1: Hey there, it's Tim Dennis from Darkness Radio, and you are listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories with Jerry and Tracy
0: hey guys welcome to episode 319 of hillbilly horror stories i'm jerry and i'm tracy tracy we got a a very fun episode tonight good so obviously we want to start off thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world no matter which country you represent thanks to everything you guys gals Mm -hmm. and service animals do for us on a regular basis
2: Yes, you guys, we appreciate you all so much and pray for you guys every day. We always want to say thank you and hope you all um, get home safe. And thank you for keeping us all safe so we can sleep at night.
0: Absolutely. Tracy, also, as usual, we want to make sure that uh, people know that this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is online counseling and you can get them and get a 10% discount at betterhelp.com hillbilly. But we want to make sure that everybody knows that you have somebody out there for you. You could uh, contact Tracy or myself, or you can go online to our group absolutely free of charge. Anytime that you're struggling, anytime that you have something on your mind that's uh, just really holding you back right now. Sometimes people are just in a state of depression for, The weather, sometimes it's something going on in their life. Uh, Whatever the case is, if you're down, we want to try to raise you back up.
2: True. Like he said, we are there for you guys. But if you would rather call the hotline, it is a simple number now. It's 988. You can also text at 741-741. Just if you need to talk to them about anything. Um, I'm sure, you know. They're there to listen to you. And sometimes that's all you guys need It's just have somebody to talk to.
0: Yeah, that is a crisis uh, hotline, not a suicide-only hotline. So you can call them just if you're just struggling no matter what. Even if you don't feel like that you're suicidal, Mm -hmm. you just want to talk to somebody, they're there for that reason as well.
2: That's true. We are here for you guys. We love y'all. All All
0: right, Trace. So... Like I said, kind of a cool episode tonight. We have a special guest on After Our Story. Yay. Josh Werner. Now, Josh, this is kind of a, a fascinating guy. Younger guy, hell of an artist, hell of a storyteller. And he actually went to Winchester Mystery House and told them, you know what? The movie that was out not too long ago on on Winchester Mystery House was really good, but it really only started to tell the later years of Sarah Winchester. And he thought that they should maybe have something to tell the younger years Mm -hmm. of Sarah Winchester. And they were so impressed with this young man that they said, why don't you do that for us? So he's got some comic book form uh, stories out in three episodes telling the story of the first 10 years of the Winchester Mystery House. Fantastic artwork, great storytelling. It's not your typical comic book. Some people some people look down on comic books. I'm not one of those people. Some people think comic books are just for kids and it's not really, uh, it's not true storytelling right? and writing. That's not the case. A lot of comic books are really well done and, uh, it, and actually because of the artwork, it, it enables a lot of younger people who really aren't into reading to get into reading. Mm-hmm. So they serve a very good purpose as well as being entertaining. But uh, he's he's got some more stuff coming on, but they've got a Winchester um, board game coming out. Oh, that's cool. But, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And uh, he's got some very cool stories on the Winchester Mystery House and Sarah Winchester. And you're going to love the story about when he was asked to go ring the bell. (laughs) There's there's only a certain reason why they ring the bell. I'll let him tell why they do it and how he got the special opportunity. But it did not go... uh, without some stress, we'll say. Oh, I'm sure. You guys are going to like it. It's it's a very fun interview. All right, Tracy. So we've covered a few stories that involved mirrors, at least somewhere throughout the story. Uh It might not have been the main focal point of the story, but they were in there. For example, the mirror at the Myrtles Plantation, uh, that immediately comes to mind because that's the one that had the handprints that they, every time they, they've replaced the actual, glass in the mirror several times, but that handprint keeps coming back, uh-huh. and people see reflections in it that weren't there, so you got stuff like that. We just covered one, I think, Cripple Creek last week,
2: mm-hmm. where a woman
0: walked in a dining room and saw
2: yeah, a reflection
0: did. in the mirror, and in some of the other ghost towns we've done have been reflections, so it comes up quite often. There's been some stories about ghostly reflections as well, handprints and mirrors, you name it, it's all come up. Now, obviously, you can't talk mirrors without probably bringing up the most well-known mirror story, Bloody Mary. So we will get into her in just a bit. Okay. But I wanted to at least bring her beginning so you knew kind of what this is going to be about. Obviously, I want to look at some of the history of mirrors as far as superstitions and folklore, and that's what we're going to do right now. So as long as humans have been around... They had been fascinated with seeing their own reflections. They often thought that surfaces that showed their reflection were actually portals to other realms.
2: Mm, I can see that.
0: In these realms, magical beings lived. and A good example of this is the Greek tale of Narcissus, who saw his own reflection in the water. He fell in love with it, and he eventually drowned.
2: Because he kept looking at each other, and he fell in.
0: Yes. Oh. Yes, basically. I mean, for those who really don't know, and I, and I didn't write any of this stiff stuff down, so I'm going on memory. So I'm sure some of it would be wrong, and somebody would be really quick to write me I'm wrong because that's what people do. Uh, that's why I always like to point out that I didn't really have this in so I'm going off memory. But basically, narcissist uh, was having trouble finding anybody that compared to his good looks. And so therefore he couldn't fall in love with anybody because nobody was just good enough for him as far as looks wise. And then one day he looked in the water and he saw somebody that was just as good looking and it was him. <laughs> so that's basically uh, the kind of the moral of the story was he couldn't find anybody. And then when he saw his own reflection, he was like, there it is. Now I don't know how he hadn't seen his reflection before. Cause how did he know how good looking he was. True. He I mean, never seen his reflection, but anyway, so anyway, That legend was so strong that it actually spawned the word narcissist, which we all know is somebody who's fixated on their own appearance. Yeah. So you would be a narcissist. (gasps) I'm just kidding.
2: You better take that back, fool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then you've got the story of the Greek hero, uh, Perseus. Hermes actually gave him a sword and Athena gave him a highly polished shield he was actually able to watch Medusa's reflection in the shield, and then cut her head off without him, without her turning it into stone, because he didn't look directly at.
2: Right, her. that's pretty smart on his part.
0: Now, because of legends like these, mirrors were thought to contain magical powers. As time went on, mirrors were crafted from highly polished precious metals such as gold and silver. Occasionally. Uh, brass and bronze were also used to make mirrors. These were very expensive objects, as you can imagine, so they were held in very high esteem.
2: So when you looked in the bronze ones and stuff, you looked tan and all that stuff. Yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, you looked
0: tan. The colors were probably a little off. <laughs> this belief that mirrors were magical led to the practice of ketotromancy, This was the art of gazing into a mirror to tell the future. And we're going to talk a little more about that as we get a little later in the episode. At least cases of that. And we've all heard the superstition that if you break a mirror, you're in for seven years bad luck. This appears to have come from the ancient Romans. Since mirrors were very expensive back then and very hard to come by, the seven years of bad luck was a consequence of mishandling such a precious object. But why seven years of bad luck? The belief is that the ancient Romans felt that it took seven years for a soul to completely renew itself.
2: That's where it came from. So huh? that's where the seven okay. years of
0: bad luck. Now, there there is something that you rarely hear about nowadays. Let's say you did break a mirror and you didn't want the seven years of bad luck, as most wouldn't. If you just bury the pieces deep enough into the ground, this would reverse your fortune.
2: No kidding. So
0: you can get out of the seven years of bad luck, but nobody's quick to tell you that. They just want, want you to have the bad luck. We live in such a negative society. <laughs> the Romans weren't the only ones to have superstitions about mirrors. Cultures from all over the world believed in the power of mirrors. In many societies, families will cover a mirror in the house if someone dies. It was a very common practice, especially during the Victorian era. And this was usually the case because funerals and wakes were held in the house where the person died or where they lived at the time. But, you know, not necessarily had to die there, but wherever the person lived that was recently deceased, they held that uh, wake or funeral in their house. The purpose of covering up the mirror was to prevent the soul of the dearly departed from getting trapped inside the mirror. No. So people believed during this time that if the soul was still in the house, it could literally get trapped inside of the mirror. Therefore, they covered them up. There were other cultures, though, that believed that if a loved one was murdered, died in a horrible accident, died of a long illness, or any kind of intense suffering, the mirror needed to be covered up in that uh, instance as well. If not, the spirit of the dead could linger in the house and wait for an unsuspecting person to see the reflection in that mirror and then the spirit could possess the living.
2: Why don't they just take the mirrors out of the house?
0: Well, there were mirrors all over the house. What are you going to do with them when you take them out? Not everybody's got a two-car garage to just put mirrors in. Back in the Victorian era.
2: I don't know. Don't I mean, what's the point if the mirrors are going to be covered up anyway?
0: They just, they don't cover them up forever, just during a period of time during morning.
2: That's the only time? Yeah.
0: Oh. They cover them up during the wake and stuff.
2: Okay. All right. Well, okay.
0: Now, of course, we've all heard about vampires and some people even say werewolves not being able to see their reflection in mirrors. The belief is that they have no souls Therefore, they can't see a reflection. Mm. Another superstition is that if a mirror falls off of a wall and breaks on its own, someone is going to die. Usually somebody close to you.
2: Oh, gosh. I don't think I've heard that one.
0: Actors believe that if they see their reflection in a mirror while they're looking over someone's shoulder, it's bad luck.
2: I saw a thing the other day that said when you're at the funeral to take the draped flowers off the casket and throw them in the, to the people and whoever catches it, it's the next one to go.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> at a wedding. <laughs> in some cultures, it's believed that a baby should never see its own reflection in a mirror before they're at least a year old.
2: But why?
0: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably death. I mean, most of these are so far out there. all right Some even believe that it's bad luck to see your own reflection in a mirror by candlelight. Yet another says that if you look at your reflection by candlelight, you may see the spirit of a loved one who has passed on.
2: Now that'd be cool.
0: And the last one before we move on. One of the superstitions was that a married couple should look into a mirror shortly after exchanging their vows because that's supposed to unite their spirits in the after afterlife, the, the, the forever.
2: Aw, so, I kind of like that. That's interesting, but yeah. I've,
0: never, I've never heard of it. Before.
2: I haven't either.
0: All right, so Tracy, we've covered a lot of superstitions with mirrors. With that being said, especially with the candlelight stuff that we just covered,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is there any surprise that someone came up with the game Bloody Mary. Nope. So in case you're listening and you're unfamiliar with this worldwide famous game of Bloody Mary, I'll briefly cover it. In the original story, and there are several variations, Uh but in the original and in most of the variations, you're standing in front of a mirror in a dark room and you say Bloody Mary three times. She's supposed to appear on that third time. But who is Bloody Mary? Most sources say that it's in reference to King Henry VIII's daughter, Mary Tudor. No kidding. Mm, right. And I've also heard Elizabeth Bathory, who used to supposedly bathe in women's blood, but her name wasn't Mary, so...
2: Ooh, why would she do that for?
0: Well, she thought it kept her younger.
2: Well, that's so... disgusting.
0: <laughs> Oil of lay. Anyway... Why this is thought to be her, uh, as far as Mary Tudor, is because she was King Henry VIII's very first daughter. And she experienced a lot of death during her childhood. History says that she developed a penchant for blood and violence herself. She was also infatuated with herself, and she loved um, gazing at herself in a mirror. Mm -hmm. So that part kind of fits. Mm-hmm. There's also another reason, though, that may actually be the biggest um, part of this. Through her relentless quest to return England to Roman Catholicism, she ordered the killing of thousands of Protestants, garnering her nickname at the time of Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. You take in the fact that her nickname was Bloody Mary and the fact that she was always gazing at herself in a mirror it does make sense that
2: yeah that could go together sure yeah
0: another odd thing about mary was her ghost baby you see mary couldn't have children she was supposedly pregnant twice though both times when she looked in the mirror she appeared to be nine months pregnant despite this she never had a baby which gave way to the rumor that she was lying about pregnancy to begin with or that the baby was a ghost. This is only one variation of the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it has you saying Bloody Mary three times and it appears. But with the ghost baby version, there's another variation to where you look in the mirror and you say, I took your baby three times. Then what happens? Well, So what supposedly happens, if she does appear to you, is she basically takes out a wrath of vengeance on whoever had the guts to call on her to begin with. She can appear as a corpse, a witch, a ghost, or a woman covered in blood, depending depending on which legend you listen to. Then she may go to strangle you, gouge your eyes out, or drink your blood. Either way, it's a horrible death, but that's what's supposed to happen. Once the person who summoned her is dead, she retreats back into the mirror.
2: So, does she... So, she comes out and does one of those three things? Yeah, pretty much. That kills much. you? Pretty much. And then just leaves you laying there like a dead person?
0: Well, that would be the only way she could leave you laying there.
2: I mean, I, you know what would be kind of cool? That if she didn't, like, leave you dead, and then that person was could still talk and talk about how she came and did that to her. So then everybody would know it was real.
0: No, that would be true.
2: You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. I saw a, a new variation on the um, Bloody Mary tale on American Horror Stories. That's the, the episodes that they put out where every week it's a completely different episode. Uh-huh. On Hulu. But it was on a Bloody Mary version. And it was more of a, I don't know, it was just a a little different, Mm -hmm. but it was a good twist on it. So if you haven't seen it, go to Hulu and watch it. Tracy, you may be aware, obviously, of Bloody Mary, because we just talked about it, but it's not the only game out there where you're using a mirror and it's played at slumber parties. Ooh. Have you ever heard of Blue Baby?
2: No. I never had slumber parties.
0: (laughs) dang it. In this one, you look into a mirror and you pretend to rock a baby. Again, this is done in the dark. You proceed to say the phrase blue baby 13 times. Then if you don't pass out from lack of oxygen.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, I hope somebody's keeping count.
0: (laughs) In this case, after the 13th time, the baby will appear in your arms and scratch you. When this happens, you better drop the baby and run because if you don't, Blue Baby's mother will appear and scream, Give me my baby back. Baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. (laughs) Loud enough to shatter the mirror. And then...
2: You have seven years bad luck.
0: Yeah, then you get seven years (laughs) bad (laughs) luck. Double whammy. Then if you don't run, she kills you. Oh. So. We mentioned earlier the custom of covering a mirror to avoid recently deceased. From being trapped in the mirror. Now I saved this this one apart from that because I thought it deserved its own little section. Some believe that there are other reasons to cover up a mirror after a death. There's a Jewish custom similar to this but for very different reasons. Directly following a death family members will sit in Shiva. Now this is a seven day mourning process in which Uh, Among other practices, the mirror in the house must be covered. This is common only in certain communities. The belief here is that there are all types of different evil spirits and demons that come to visit a family during the mourning period. Where a soul leaves this world, it leaves a void, an emptiness, that is prone to be filled by dark forces. So they cover up the mirrors to keep the evil forces from entering. area
2: i was gonna say i mean i can understand that but like if the person that passes on gets stuck in the mirror i mean i guess that means he can't go anywhere right right oh i mean that's a bad thing but then for you it would kind of be a nice thing because you could just like walk walk by the mirror and say what's up It'd
0: be like grandma's in the zoo
2: grandma's in the zoo what's that mean
0: yeah i mean you just walk by and could look in and see her but she can't come out like oh but zoo? you could talk like you could talk to each other and stuff that would be cool well I don't know that they can talk to you they might just be trapped you could be putting them in a horrible situation that's where... true anyway the thought behind this is wherever there's a vacuum negativity can creep in so
2: we don't want no negativity
0: but like I said some Jewish believe that a a house in mourning is like a magnet for evil spirits oh no and way they can get through through the mirrors. Wow, I didn't know know that. There's another legend that involves (laughs) ghost portals. This one says that if you place two mirrors facing each other in a dark room, you have effectively created a ghost portal. Through this portal, spirits can pass. But you have to be careful because the spirits may just decide instead of jumping from one mirror to another mirror, they may jump from mirror to your home. So now you've created a portal where you can let stuff through. Oh, Well, I mean, okay, can guess, you put
2: them like together? That's all I was
0: saying. I think you have to. I think you're supposed to put them like together. together. Like face to face together. Yeah. And not like one just across yeah. the room from each other. Tracy, did you know that you're not supposed to have a mirror facing your bed?
2: No, I did not know that. That would well, probably disappoint people <laughs> that like to watch themselves when they're about to go wow wow. Well,
0: according to Feng Shui. Mm-hmm. Your body and your spirit are believed to be repaired while you sleep. And if you have a mirror facing your bed while you're sleeping, when you sleep, the negative energies seep out of your body, but then they would be reflected back into you via the mirror, thus undoing any of the benefits that you had while sleeping.
2: Well, no wonder my body's in bad shape because I don't sleep. So that therefore, therefore, it doesn't repair itself. What
0: a rip-off. This is the last one. Um, And this pertains to something we mentioned earlier. Some believe that mirrors could help tell the future. Remember I said that we would get into that. Mm -hmm. There are mirrors that uh, some mediums use. It's called scrim mirrors. And they gaze into them like crystal balls. They're usually made of black reflective material of one kind or another. Now, in the scrib mirrors, they're supposed to be a powerful metaphysical tool. It can reveal to the user a secret hidden knowledge and clairvoyant ability. It can also act as a portal to other planes of existence in our universe. Two of the most well known uh I said scrib. It's scribing mirrors. (laughs) I know I said scrib, but I think I did. Anyway, two of the most well known scribing mirror users were Nostradamus and Edward Kelly. Oh, very nice. Pretty well known. And that's pretty much our story on mirrors.
2: So I'm not going to look at mirrors like the same now, but you know, I am a narcissist, so.
0: Whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You are the farthest from a narcissist. I've never seen somebody so unsure about themselves. (laughs) Anyways. So we're gonna take a quick sponsor break, and we're definitely gonna be back to learn about the Winchester Mystery House. Wow! Oh. All right, Tracy, some quick housekeeping. The uh, Will we, you been
2: saying my name.
0: I'm sorry, Tracy. Anyway, so so Tracy, <laughs> we got our packet the other day in in the mail from the cruise.
2: Oh boy, that
0: shows the itinerary and stuff. So, if you didn't get your packet, it should be coming, but the very first page, when you open up, it's got all your, um, I guess, your tickets and stuff like that, your stuff for your luggage suitcases and, yeah, and all mm-hmm. that. but the very first page tells you what the podcast itinerary is. Now, there's a lot more going on in the ship than that, but that's just strictly as it pertains to us. Right. So, it tells you where we're doing the live show at, what time, the cocktail party and all that. So, when you get that, that's what that first page is.
2: Have you ever been to a cocktail party? Yes. You
0: have? Yes. We were at a cocktail party last year, as a matter of fact, at CrypticCon. Remember the VIP cocktail party?
2: We didn't go to that.
0: We did go to that. We Remember, we got our pictures made with Cliff and all of them from the uh, Bigfoot show and all that. Remember?
2: Oh, I The night but, before? Oh, yes, we did. My bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was like eight months ago. So
2: well, maybe. you know how my mind is. I can't remember nothing.
0: But anyway, so that's going on. I do have to announce... Unfortunately, Justin Rimmel and Mysterious Circumstances will not be on board the cruise. I know some of you were counting on that. Um, Unfortunately, Justin has a work schedule that definitely will not allow, even though he was trying to plan for it. Sometimes you just need it at work and they can't find a replacement. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to make it due to work reasons. And uh, we'll make it up to you.
2: Yeah. We're going to miss
0: you, Justin. Justin. Yes, without a doubt. We also have the live event coming up. Tickets are selling fast on this. It's going to sell out at Bobby Mackey's. Mm-hmm. It's in October, but I'm telling you people have already bought almost half the tickets.
2: Yeah, they usually do.
0: Yeah, and they and they goes quick once it starts getting closer. It's Halloween time. People start getting in that spooky mood and then you throw in the fact that it's Bobby Mackey's, so get your tickets as quick as you can, or you're going to get left out in the code. Literally, we will make you stand out in the code. <laughs> no, we won't. We'll sneak <laughs> you in. But anyways, um, that's really all I got for that. So Tracy, if you'd like to do us the honor.
2: All right. Our iTunes this week are our faithful Mojo Lobster, Paul Fire, 1523, and Jason B. 007. Our Patreons are Savannah and Jennifer Burlingame. Burlingame,
0: is that it? Something like that.
2: Oh, Jennifer, if I said that wrong, honey, I'm so sorry. I love you, girl. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for all you do for us. We appreciate you so much.
0: Absolutely. Wouldn't be here without you guys. No, we would not. All right, so let's listen to Josh Werner. And I'm telling you, he's he's the stuff that we even talked about off the air was super fascinating. They got a paranormal museum that just opened up in Saginaw, Michigan, where he lives. And he said, he was telling me that almost every house or building in his area, like in the neighborhood is haunted. And they've done all kinds. There's been all kinds of documentaries done just on streets and stuff in his area right there. I know. It's so cool. So, all right, let's listen to Josh. Hey, guys, I've got a unique guest on today. A lot of times we bring you podcasters or uh, people from paranormal television shows, something of that nature. This one has got a little bit of a different twist on it, and I think you guys are going to like this. We've got Josh Werner on today.
1: Josh, first of all, thanks for coming on, buddy. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, first of all, you have a badass chair that you're sitting in. It's got a bat on it. (laughs) Uh, You saw that, huh? Yeah, I did that's that's pretty awesome um we I, I got bats all over our table and our uh um uh curtain that we've got hanging up here is actually like a shear but it's got bats embroidered on it so uh kind of a, a
1: pedophon so Whispers don't realize i can see i can see you in your room right now and i can just having a blast looking at all the cool stuff hanging on your walls <laughs>
0: Yeah, you got you you get to see a little bit of it. I'll show you the rest before you get off here because it's literally 360 degrees of nothing but horror and and uh, stuff like that. So let's talk about why you're on the show today. So you have a comic series out that's completely based on the Winchester Mystery House and it's phenomenal. You sent me uh, a digital copy of it. Uh, absolutely amazing artwork, great storytelling. And I mean, who's not a fan of the Winchester uh, Mystery House? As a matter of fact, and so you don't even know this because you really can't see it, but just out of uh, out of your sight, I've actually got a picture of the Winchester Mystery House. A couple couple of tickets where a listener went there, and they get got us a couple of these shotgun shell salt and pepper shakers from the Winchester oh, Mystery that's House. So that, cool. So yeah, so it was prominently on display here. We we love. It's on our, our bucket list of places to go next year. So that's
1: that's the intention is to finally make it out there. So bucket list worthy. I absolutely
0: so tell me about first of all the comic book series. And and once you tell us about what it is so everybody can hear what it is, tell us how you became interested and what prompted you to start that.
1: So the the comic book series is told in kind of bite-sized volumes. And so it's, we don't want anybody to be on the hook for, oh, I got to go back to a comic book store every month for the next year to be able to t- tell a story. So we do them in little chunks. So volume one is three issues, issues one, two, and three. And it covers about the first 10 years of the house's construction. And then uh, as a, a little bonus comic, we did another one, a one-shot story called The Hundred-Year Curse for the Centennial Celebration. And that takes place uh, in modern day during a tour of the house. Um, but the, really the way that this came about was, um, uh, I had approached the estate and I was talking to them, uh, not at all about, about a comic book series. Actually, it was really about uh, a board game. Um, Mm -hmm. so we have a board game publishing division as well. And we made this game called floor plan and it's all about trying to construct a house, while trying to meet clients' very particular needs. And we thought, wouldn't it be amazing to do a whole new version of this that is completely themed around the Winchester Mystery House and Sarah Winchester is your client and you are one of these construction crews trying to to meet her needs and and make her happy. And so we we thought we would come and talk to them about this. And one of the things we got to discussing was some of the you know the story and the myth and the legend and how it's been portrayed in recent media and we started talking about the movie the movie winchester and um one of the things i'd said was i love the movie so very much um but it takes place very late in her life in one kind of moment in time and it really misses about 30 years of Phenomenal story about the construction of this house and the things that she went through in the community that was building around, you know, San Jose as she worked on this. There's like just decades of storytelling, and I said, really, her story is best told episodically, you know, throughout time, moving across those years and really showing a much bigger scope than really being able to pick one particular, you know, year or date to tell a story, and uh, and. said well it sounds like we might have just found the best person to tell that story in that way you guys have a comic publishing division let's discuss this and uh originally so i I am a writer um, and an artist but i'm also the editor-in-chief of the publishing company so you know i've kind of kind of hung up my hat a bit when it comes to some of the the creative aspects so that i can dedicate my time to making other people's projects come to life and really shepherding you know, other artists and writers. Uh, So my original intention was to um, hire a writer to to do this. But I was already so passionate about this story and the history of this. I was already such a big fan of the house and and I had a very particular way. I wanted Sarah to be portrayed and I really couldn't find somebody who was as passionate about it as I was. So I decided to do it myself and uh, I'm so glad I did. Honestly, it's been wonderful.
0: What was it about Sarah Winchester's story that enamored you from the very beginning? What what caught you the most of where you said, I, I, I
1: need to jump down this rabbit hole? So there's always been uh, this kind of idea that she was, everything she was doing was out of fear, out of paranoia, of, of this haunting, of this curse, whether or not like her mental health was, you know, had uh, a hand in this and while I found all this fascinating I especially found the idea of just all these rooms that most of them human beings have never lived in but the possibility that ghosts have been residing in these rooms this whole time and they still do to this day is so fascinating but as soon as I started learning more about Sarah I realized that I don't I think a lot of people's this kind of vague idea of what was happening is is pretty off base because she was so brilliant she was always the smartest person in the room she spoke so many languages she was an expert on so many things um she knew so much about architecture and carpentry and she was really well traveled a lot of people don't know that uh you know before after her her family died and before she moved out west to build this house she disappeared for about four years and it's not talked about but during that time she was traveling the world and she she gathered a lot of knowledge she also has a ton of ties to um uh to all sorts of of uh, freemasonry and secret organizations and basically in the end i think what appeals to me the most is the mystery aspect of it that we really don't know all of her motivations for doing the things that she did and i think some of the speculation is that is really basically barely scratching the surface of the real possibility of what was going on behind those closed doors that she was so private about that. So few of us have documented to this day. So in your honest opinion,
0: do you think that she really felt that there were spirits guiding her or do you think that's more the myth of, I mean, cause a, a lot of the aspects of the house, I mean, you'll hear like, you know, uh, doorways leading to nowhere, stairways leading to nowhere, which was supposedly, according to myth, put there to kind of trick the ghost uh, so they couldn't catch up with her. How much of that do
1: you think has validity? I think it's almost an even split. I, there has been just as much effort to explain away the reasons for a lot of the houses, you know, uh, practical reasons for the way that the house is. Uh, as there has been in like this kind of lore that has surrounded this house since day one. And we have to remember, too, that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of skeptics, are, they really pin it on the house. They're like, oh, you know, this is the, this is so they can sell tickets. Uh, that's the, a lot of those stories. They started way before she even passed away. Um, there are newspaper articles that were hopping around San Jose about this house, about Lenata Villa and Sarah Winchester, while she was still alive, there was still so much being discussed. This isn't something that was handcrafted after her death. It's, I mean, these tales have always been there. I, knowing some of the things she was felt so strongly about, um, how passionate she was about certain things and how she believed in spirituality, she believed uh, in the power of of, of certain things, uh, including, for example, the number 13, she believed it held like a, a, a supernatural power and it's something that shows up throughout the house's construction. I really do believe um, that she thought she was haunted, whether or not she was, I think is up for everybody to you know decide for themselves. But I think that was only one part of it. And I think our desire to know everything is, uh, Filling in the gaps of what we don't know in the quickest way possible instead of looking at a bigger picture and realizing, you know, this a lot of the way this house was done and a lot of the way it was constructed was very intentional and meaningful. I truly think that this house is meant to be something of a puzzle to be solved and that we aren't as smart as her <laughs> i think there's a lot more to this uh and it's something that i get to kind of poke around with and explore a little bit with the comic book series yeah, the comics about 50 50 on fiction and history everybody in it is based off a real person there's tons of real history there's things that really happened but when it comes to the supernatural aspect of it i'm also trying to keep it kind of fresh and, and tell some new perspectives on it and uh that's where the fun lies because then i get to really explore some of these other things, you know, what did other people think about her and why we use those characters to, uh, um, like the workers, for example, and the gossip amongst the construction crews, like they're the ones telling the story because Sarah is going to be private about it throughout the story. So you're getting bits and pieces from them, but it's up to the reader to decide whether or not to believe them or believe all these ideas that people are saying. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. It's, a magical place it's a special place i think there is most definitely a haunting i think there's loads of evidence of this um but i also don't necessarily think that we all have it nailed down that we really know i think it really is a mystery
0: what is it when, when you go how many times have you been been out there
1: i've only been there twice and uh I plan to change that a lot over next year. I hope to visit several times to do some more events and promotional events. Um, one of the visits I went to, I will definitely have to tell you about. It's very, very cool. But I'll let you go first. <laughs> well, actually, what I was going to say was, was uh,
0: what what do you find the most fascinating thing out there? When you visited, what was the most fascinating part for you? So it's probably going to lead right into what you were going to say.
1: Um. One of the things, as far as the supernatural aspect goes, obviously when I'm there, I'm enamored by every little detail I want to see everything I'm not in a, a haunting headspace I'm in a uh, oh, this is the scene where you know, that I wrote takes place in this room. oh that's what that molding looks like you know things like I'm looking at all these little details for story you know building but um I did a press event where we invited out newspaper um, uh, writers uh, you know, reporters we invited out um game board game uh reviewers comic book reviewers and like ghost hunters and supernatural podcasts and we, had, we sent out these little private invites for this private event we held it in the carriage house where, where they used to keep the horses and carriages it's like a big garage space we fed them dinner uh i gave a speech i signed comics they played a prototype of the board game and then at the end we took them on a private tour of the house and I go into this at being so hyped and so fascinated by every little detail. I want to be in every room. So if for some reason, something in me is telling me to get out of a room, I have to stop and think about this. Like what is causing this within me? And I found that certain rooms made me feel certain ways, including claustrophobia, like the desire to just discomfort where I needed to get out of that room. And I wasn't sure why. And as someone who was affixed to every little detail, I wanted to spend as much time in every room as possible. So what I was finding was that one of the, um, one of the like group of kind of ghost hunters that were with us on this tour, they were behind me and they had a person who was extremely sensitive to, to the paranormal. And I would walk ahead of them into a room. I would have a certain feeling, feel a certain way. I would keep it to myself. I'd be like, oh, but I would note it in my head, be like, that's interesting. Why do I feel this way? And then she would walk into the room behind me and vocally say out loud exactly what I was feeling in that room. Like she was having the same. The same exact you know feelings i was but saying them out loud and it was it, it struck me as odd because it happened so many times in a row it's very validating <laughs> i was like wow, oh, okay it's not just me you're feeling the same way about this room and it's not something you put your finger on it's not like every room right. in the house is absolutely gorgeous so it's not like this room's creepy and that's why it feels creepy it's like no it's it's beautiful you know um so it was really it was really interesting but i also had a i had a really strange thing happen in one of the rooms um where i was you know, I had my phone out. I was taking some pictures here and there, and then later, um, I went was going through my camera roll, and I had a photo that I was very, very strange. There was a rocking chair in the picture, and um, the rocking chair did not look like it belonged at all, and it was also uh, not a photo I took. I, don't, I did not take a picture of a rocking chair at any point in time. The rocking chair itself is extremely translucent. You can kind of see through it. it and I'm, my guess at first would be like, oh, I accidentally hit the button as I was walking. And it's just a kind of a blur, you know, effect situation. But there's also what appears to be kind of old, uh, torn fabric on it, which is not something you'll see in that house. Everything is pristine on in, in when it comes to the furniture. Um, there is nothing old and torn looking in that house unless it's a unfinished room, you know. And uh, I had showed it to the workers at the end. I said, hey, I found this in my camera room, and I don't remember seeing this. And I can tell by the background what room it is, but I don't remember seeing this chair. Can you confirm that this is in this room? And they said, no, that, I don't know what that is, but that's not, that's not from this house. I was like, no, it is. I can tell you exactly what room it is. Look, it's between <laughs> these two pictures that I took. And they're like, there is no chair in that room. Uh, no, it's not it's not the case. And I was like, it's so bizarre. I ended up writing it into one of the scripts um, uh, because it was such, it was just such an interesting happening. But one of the, my favorite things too, is that the tour guides who worked there, they would have come running up to me and say, Hey, you're the guy who's writing the comic series. Right. And I said, yeah, hi, nice to meet you. And uh, they, they would say, I have so much to tell you. Do you have a moment? like oh okay and it would be like i've worked here for three months and here are all of the things that i've experienced since i've worked here uh like you know supernatural occurrences and everyone who works there has a story it's so interesting it's definitely hard to ignore uh do you have a quick moment for another visit okay so uh there was a, a very famous bell tower on the property and this bell tower was said to be rung at midnight every night uh And it was to tell all the workers that Sarah Winchester was not to be bothered. She was going to the seance room and -hmm. she would go and spend at least two hours in that seance room every night. And it was thought that because she only gave construction, uh, information to the crews one building day at a time that she was receiving all these from the spirits. And that's why they call it the house, the spirits built. Um, but when she passed away they kind of marked this bell tower off as something of a sacred space no we don't go in the bell tower we don't touch the bell it's um it's meant for uh special occasions essentially and so what they did was they started a tradition a century-old tradition now of ringing the bell only when the calendar falls on a friday the 13th they ring it 13 times on the 13th hour and they hold this kind of special bell ringing ceremony where everybody in the house stops and they watch the bell be rung. And it's, it's for Sarah, it's, a, it's just a remembrance thing because she believed the number 13 held so much power. Um, so last year uh, they called me and said, um, we have a Friday the 13th coming up. Would you like to come out and be a special guest bell ringer? And I was like, oh wow, what an honor, absolutely. They were like, you'd be the one up in the tower during the bell ring ceremony ringing. Absolutely. I'm excited. Now I'm in Silicon Valley, stuck in traffic, running late. They're calling me like, Hey, we've never ever done this at one Oh one. It has to happen exactly at one o'clock on the 13th hour. I was like, I totally understand. If you have to go without me, just go ahead. I'm so sorry. You know, I ended up uh, jumping out of like a moving car, running as fast as I could. <laughs> hey, somebody waiting on the side of the road, they grabbed me by the arm. They're running me through the house on a shortcut to the fastest route they could to get to the bell tower. And of course, it's not, because of the shortcut, it's not part of the tour. It's, a, it's rooms I'd never seen before. So I'm looking around like, oh, wow, where <laughs> am I right now? This is such a cool room. They're like, there's no time. We have to get to the bell tower. So we get there and uh, I have about 30 seconds before I have to start ringing and they're giving me the instructions because it's a very big, very old bell. And they, they said, here's the most important thing. No one has ever screwed this up in a hundred years. It has to no be pressure. exactly 13 times. You cannot ring it a 14th time. And I said, "Oh, I can count, you know, no problem. They're like, no, you don't understand. It's a really big bell and it builds up a bunch of momentum. It's going to want to just swing a 14th time all by itself and it will clang and you will hear Uh-oh. a 14th bell. And I'm like, you're, you telling me this now. And we have 20 seconds to go. I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? So it's a simple pulley system. One rope on one side goes up, all the other goes down. And so if you're pulling on one, if you want it to stop, you reach out, you grab the other rope, you hold both ropes perfectly still at the same time. And the idea of being that it can't go, you know, it can't go side to side anymore. It fizzles out if you do it right. And, uh, and now we've got about five seconds to go and I say, okay. But listen, if I screw this up, can we just not tell people that it was me in the tower this year Can we just leave that part out? And they said, actually, we have a camera right here and we're live streaming it right now. (laughs) I was so terrified, but I nailed it. It was exactly 13 times. I'm 99% sure to this day. I'm too afraid to go back and watch the video, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) that I nailed it. But what an incredible experience. And then, you know, afterwards, I was talking with the, the manager of the state. His name is Walter. And he said, you know, uh, he's got a very dry wit, too. You can't always tell when he's joking. Uh, he comes off very serious. And uh, he said, you know, I've, uh, I've never been allowed to touch the bell. And I said, wait, what? I was like, you run this place. What do you mean you haven't touched the bell? He's like, yeah, I don't touch the bell. And actually, none of my employees have ever touched the bell either. And I said, you're kidding me. It turns out like over this history of this tradition, only a handful of people have ever gotten to ring that bell. It's usually passed down from like historian to historian. And then once in a while, they have like a special guest. And uh, so I was it just made it that much more of an honor. But at the same time, it made me that much more anxious that I almost screwed it up and that I was almost late. (laughs) Oh, geez. They finally let somebody else do it. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm very, very pleased with that experience. And it makes a fun story when I'm, you know, doing the book tours and talking to people at conventions and stuff, too.
0: Let's talk a little bit about about the book. So tell everybody where the book is available at.
1: Absolutely. So the way it worked was there was three single issues um, that issue one, issue two and issue three. And those those hit comic shops individually monthly for three months. So you might, if you hit a comic book store and you ask, they might still have some, but chances are they're probably sold out. All the single issues have sold out worldwide at a distribution level. And now after that, uh, a collected edition comes out. Uh, It's just called the Winchester Mystery House Volume 1. And it collects about the first 10 years of the house's construction, which is issues one, two, and three. And um, the thing was we were looking at, you know, pre-order numbers. We look at pre-orders from Simon & Schuster and from Diamond Comics Distributors, our two distribu- distribution companies, and we print based on those numbers. So, oh, it looks like stores are going to order about this many, and now we got to rush to print, so we print based on that. Uh, it turns out that the hype kept rolling, and after we'd already printed, more and more stores just started wanting it. And they were jumping on a little late, you know, so uh, we ended up selling out really fast. So Volume 1 is now sold out at Diamond Comics Distributors, which means if you can't find it at your local comic shop, they're not going to be able to get it back in um, yet until we do another printing. Uh, Simon & Schuster also completely sold out, which means if you can't find it at Barnes & Noble they're not gonna be able to get it back in yet, but you should, it's worth a try. Barnes and Noble definitely has some still. I don't know which locations have it. So the best thing you can do is go to their website. Uh, Amazon has, last I checked, I think about 20 copies left. So they're gonna go really fast. <laughs> um, and Books A Million, and a couple other big book chain book retailers uh, have been really great about carrying this. I was very, very lucky I, I got such support. Problem was, uh, it sold out so fast that I, uh, I've been blown away by it. And not only do we have to figure out how to print more and get more out there so that nobody's going without, but it also got a little bit in my head about it. Not to get personal, but I'm writing volume two and now the success of volume one is just just set a precedent that I'm a little nervous about trying to meet. I'm like, oh, you know, what if people don't like volume two as much as they did volume one? They liked it so much, but um, I'm trying. (laughs) But in the meantime, uh, while it's being... becoming harder to get as it's being sold out although if anybody wants to get their hands on it right away i recommend just hitting up amazon for the the quickest route but um or target target has some as well target.com um uh, might be a good place but in the meantime we decided to put together a super nice special edition that we're going to only make available for two weeks and we're just going to print just the number of pre-orders we get and that's it um that is going to go live on september 6th at 7 a.m eastern standard time it's going to be available to pre-order and it's um it's basically it's got artwork that i did on the cover it's got a gold foil stamp it comes autographed by me it has all the comics in it so far including the one shot there was issues one two and three plus a one shot called the hundred year curse that's going to be in there too which is not in the regular volume one um and a bunch of bonus content about the history of this house and and of sarah winchester and uh and basically you just show up and it's like $25, pre-order it. And then as soon as it's in, it goes right out to you in the mail and we plan on fulfilling it very quickly within a month after the campaign ends. But the best part about it, it you remember how I said originally, we weren't even talking about a comic. I went there to pitch them a board game. That board game is officially done. It's finished, it's designed, uh, it's off to you know production. So everybody who jumps on that the backer kit to check out this you know, special edition gets to be the first people to order the board game if they want to. So it's like a cool add-on item. And I'm so excited for people to see this board game. Uh, we've been working on it for about a year, and uh, it's perfect now. It's all the play testing has been done. It's absolutely perfected. The design of it is just beautiful. Uh, one of our designers works in-house, Lex Lyons spent just insane number of hours making this thing perfect. so 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 if anybody's curious about that it's winchester mystery com is how to find out more about that now is that also where they would go on september 6th to be able to get their pre-orders yep so right now if you go to that page it what it is is it just tells you about what's what's going to be available to pre-order it shows you pictures of the book and pictures of the game and then it has a little sign up button and you if you sign up it just uh, triggers an email notification to you the day it goes live just so you don't miss it. So it it just, uh, that's all that signup is. And then on September 6th, that that same URL will now turn into the order page so that you can order it and you can choose what you want. If you want to add the game on, or if you don't, if you want to have the, you know, the drawing, the sketch, you know, with it, or if you don't, Um, or even if you just want a PDF, like that'll be an option too on there. Uh, and then we're only going to do it for two weeks and then it ends and we go to print and just print the number that, you know, that people ordered. And, uh, and then, yeah, then I'll be back to just taking the regular edition and trying to restock stores again so that it can have some longevity in stores. And then hopefully looking at uh, spring release for volume two, um, uh, that's going to be about the 1906 earthquake that happened. It tore down seven stories of the house, trapped her inside of a room. She almost died. Um, It's going to kind of delve into that time period and what was going on at the house. So I'm very, very excited.
0: Well, you got a lot going on, man. So I I hope the best for you. And to make sure that that people are clear and make sure that I'm clear on this, this special edition that you're doing um, uh, September 6th, this is basically a fundraising effort to be able to print more copies and get them out to the
1: stores, correct? That's exactly right. So the, the the edition that you're buying is special and exclusively for you. It won't be the one that's in stores, but what we're taking is any of the extra money after we've fulfilled it and we've gotten you your books, that extra money is going straight to printing more of the regular volume one so that we can restock Barnes and Noble. We can restock, uh, you know, Simon Schuster and Schuster and Diamond Comic Distributors. And, and that way stores can keep Keep it going. They just keep ordering it as long as people keep wanting it. Awesome! It's great having you on, Josh. What's the website one more time? Winchester dot com. I, I highly recommend you go there. Just do the sign up that way you don't miss it. And then. I'll probably send once it gets rolling, I'll probably send an email out to everybody who signs up, just giving you my love. And thank you so much for, for the support and being part of this. And also, I love talking about the history. So anybody is always welcome to reach out to me anytime. I will. We could talk all day about Sarah Winchester. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast.
0: All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you for everything you do. We appreciate you as always
2: we are so looking forward to seeing you guys coming up here before you know it we'll be cruising and all that good fun stuff thank you guys for your support and hanging in there with us we love y'all so much and i hope y'all have a blessed week and have a like i guess y'all get a three-day weekend so that's nice Um, just enjoy your families and friends and take care of yourselves we love you